0: I'm filmmaker John Borowski of the Serial
1: Killer Documentaries, and you're listening to Midwest Monsters Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff.
2: Venomous Vinny.
3: Hot toddy.
1: Good to be with you again, folks. We are bringing you another installation of a new format that we've been doing for a little while now. So maybe it's not fair to call it new. I don't know. Sue me. But uh, we're doing some true crime, and uh, we've covered... Uh, Bundy and Berkowitz and Zodiac. I think that's it, right? That's it. Yep. All right. So yeah, still new. If you can still count how many you've done, unlike the monster mash. (laughs) Um, so tonight going back in time a little bit to the streets of London in 1888, we are talking of course about Jack the Ripper. So, um,
4: any general thoughts about Jack the Ripper in general? Um, well, I watched 72 hours of three's company cause I thought it was Jack Tripper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I guess my, uh, my initial thoughts and I tried to watch it for the show was, um, I think late eighties is the first time I ever heard of who Jack the Ripper was. Um, I never realized, I guess Jack's back came out around the hundredth anniversary of the murders. Um and then Friday the thirteenth, the series, there was an episode which I just rewatched for this, where um it was a doctor using the the scalpel. So that was the first time I ever heard of Jack the Ripper, and I think I had mentioned it to my dad, and then my dad was more familiar with the case and like some of the earlier films, so um it just made me think of that, and then for this episode, uh I definitely tried to watch some of the movies I'd never seen before.
1: Cool. Cool.
4: Uh Vinny, uh, initial
1: impressions about Jack the Ripper, early exposure, what do you know about the man? Uh, I've never delved
2: deeply into it or anything, but obviously it's something that's totally in the the cultural vernacular, I guess. Right. I don't think there's anybody you can say that name to that they haven't at least heard it. Um, I was So I was fa- fairly familiar, um, and I've, I'm kind of morbid. I've, I've looked at the photos from the murders many times in my life kind of morbid about that kind of thing um so yeah not a whole lot of knowledge on it i haven't watched a whole lot about it and so this was an educational experience for me as well
1: all right all right professor
3: yeah for me this and the jfk assassination were the uh, two longest-running fascinations for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I may have recounted it on the show before. I can't remember or not. At one point, I was reading a Jack the Ripper book in the middle of summer. My dad came in and had a talk with me. It's like, Ryan, you have friends. <laughs> I
1: remember that story.
3: You have things to play with. Do You think maybe, summer, you should go outside and enjoy hanging out with some of your friends and doing things outside instead of sitting in here looking at this book. And I was like, nah, I think I'd rather keep reading this. <laughs> it... It just always grabbed my attention um, with the setting and kind of the allure of, of how the, you know, in almost a way uh, with mythology that build around it um, and ideas that honestly probably aren't even close to reality. I, right. I
2: find this to be very much like the Billy the Kid, where it's very difficult from all the pulp things that have been written to separate right. fact from fiction.
3: Right. Right. Um, but yeah, just in short, it's it's always something um, that I found fascinating. It is, uh, I think, rich uh, for film and putting it into films. I think that you can create very moody, um, atmosphere-driven, great thrillers and horror movies from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, which is part of what I've always loved about it. If you follow our Instagram account, you've probably seen uh, the last couple of years where I went down to an English pub that we have nearby, uh, Liberty, Indiana, where they serve, you know, like cottage pie and bangers and mash. And I mean, I get that nerdy around the first week of November, (laughs) which is around when this all concluded was, Mm -hmm. uh, early November. I literally will go on a bender and watch some movies and get some British food. It's just always something, um, And when it's, like,
1: real foggy at night, you'll walk around your neighborhood. Yeah, actually
3: kill women. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I thought, yeah. Uh, Uh, The British British.
2: famous for their cuisine. (laughs)
3: This may be my last episode, guys. Yeah, it's just uh, something I've always found fascinating. More than anything, just the time and place, which a lot of true crime goes back for me Mm -hmm. to where it is. I usually find how it affected the area just as interesting as I do who did it or what happened.
1: Sure. Sure. Um. Similar to Vinny, uh, Jack the Jack the Ripper has always just kind of been at pop culture lexicon. I don't know where and when I first heard or understood or grasped who or what he was or anything like that. Part of me, and Vinny, you're a bit of a, you know a little bit about Star Trek, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Was there a Jack the Ripper Star Trek episode? I was just trying to look that up, so I'm I wasn't ignoring sure. you guys
3: That's a minute ago. I'm go. not positive. <laughs> I, I would find it believable. Yeah, <laughs> They've used that uh, in quite a few different shows. There's one in the 60s or the Western, I remember, that did it. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, okay. Where he just came over from London, escaping, yeah. and hit the Wild West, which is, you know, fitting for the time.
1: Sure. It's and weird. It seems later like Later, when we talk worlds. about suspects, we'll talk about one of the most ridiculous theories between uh, Jack the Ripper and another serial killer.
4: But ever, I, I we ever get a, uh, a Scooby-Doo meets Jack the Ripper? Not mm. yet.
1: But you can hold out hope. Now, I don't remember what, it had to be something, a sitcom or a show, and then me asking my dad, like, what it was, and he explained to me what Jack the Ripper was. I feel like it was a Star Trek episode, but I, I, I can't put my finger on it. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, it just a uh, passing interest in it, as I have had with um, other serial killers. He's never been high on my list, just because it's unsolved, and unsolved things drive me nuts. Um, so... I I read a book. We'll talk a little bit more about later, but I read about, I read uh, Patricia Cornwall's first book that she wrote on Jack the Ripper. It's got a case closed idea. Um, And then I've just dove into other documentary type sources just to see what it's all about and what's there and did that for the podcast. So that's uh, my interest in
3: the Ripper. What a treat.
1: Just, just a treat. treat.
3: Did you check out uh, casebook.org? No well for listeners if you if you are interested after this episode check them out Uh, it is a massive website that kind of breaks down different theories suspects the crimes it has the documents on there and it's
1: only jack the ripper this website okay
3: it's and it's it's pretty user-friendly for as much stuff as they have on there um but Mm -hmm. it's pretty helpful in understanding because a lot of times you'll have theories intersect um with different people and and things that that you just assume they know but that's a quick way to kind of loop around through all of it and kind of get a quick grasp on it. Um, so yeah, casebook.org. So do you want to jump right into the case? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So with Jack the Ripper, um, it is important to understand that it was in the center of a bigger s- string, a rash of, uh, murders against women. They call, um, just the Whitechapel murders in the East end of London in the Whitechapel district. Um, if you don't know anything about the east end of london and the whitechapel district around this time in the victorian area era it is some of the worst conditions human beings have ever been a part of ever. Uh, particularly you know in city areas i mean you can look at uh, some of the stuff that went on at the turn of the century in the us and the tenements in new york and the overcrowding there i don't think it sniffed what was going on in whitechapel i mean it was just disease ridden filth and everybody was impoverished um i think if i remember correctly all of the industry blew over in the air uh to the east end of london which is why all of the real estate just went to hell yeah and in comes that situation and then on top of it you have a lot of interesting uh, avenues that have brought people here either from like uh uh had a lot of irish people with the potato famine um there was a lot of Jewish people uh, mm-hmm. seeking asylum, uh, and it really started becoming people just living on top of each other.
1: For reference, um, if any of you have ever been to Brooklyn,
3: uh,
1: as far as the United States go, it's it's the fourth most populous. That's just Brooklyn, not New York City. And people think of it as like crowded, mm-hmm. right? Brooklyn has a population density of 36,732 people per square mile, Okay. That's modern day Brooklyn, 36,700 people per square mile. Whitechapel at this time had 76,000 oh, people per square mile.
3: Well, that's about as a perfect way to illustrate that point. Wow. I mean,
1: Whew. twice of Brooklyn.
3: Yeah, that's nuts. That's scary. Wow. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's really bad down here Um <laughs> The, the jobs that people can find, you can't survive on.
2: One of the um, things I watched said uh, the first thing that you would have noticed about this area is the stench.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of our future victims, I can't remember which one, but I remember she had lost teeth um, recently from getting in a fistfight over soap uh, with another woman. Oh, yeah. Um, and,
1: and, you know, you talk about the housing situation. Most people just didn't even have houses. They would pay yeah. to just have someplace to sleep that night. And uh, one podcast broke it down. There was the four-penny coffin, which was yep. a bed shaped like a coffin that cost you four pennies a night. If you couldn't afford that, there was the two-penny hammock, which was like a hammock made out of feed sacks uh-huh. that you could sleep in for the night. Or the one-penny sit-up, yep. which is where they you sat in a church pew, and they tied you sitting up with other people. But
2: they tied you in front of you so you wouldn't fall over face first.
1: Yeah. So that... <laughs> that's, yeah. That's hard times daddy some some may call it heaven <laughs> <laughs> and some people are like well why wouldn't you just sleep outside where you can lay down it's like no you want to be inside out of the elements
3: yeah so so you have a place where no one wants to be people oh, yeah. are here out of necessity Desperation. Um, you have a lot of women turning to prostitution uh, just because there's no work um, including those that are in committed relationships they're still not able to bring, a home, bring home enough money uh, to have a place to live. And so, I mean, there's a, there's a whole laundry list of reasons why people are in these predicaments. Uh, but, you know, you can go deeper into that if you want. Those are just kind of the general ideas of, of what have us here. Um, and this is an area of London that they don't care about. I mean, it is just run down, dangerous, disease infested. Um, and the city's really doing nothing about it. Um, so, and just, uh, you know, a heads up on this, cause I don't really go have any theories deep on it, but a lot of people, and I've always found it interesting, have the social reformer theory mm. that they throw out for this, that Jack the Ripper actually had nothing against anyone other than he wanted to draw attention to the area. Mm. Look at what we're living in. Look at if these women hadn't had to have been out here, et cetera. Yeah. And the scary thing about it is kind of worked. Sure. Because, I mean, this stuff didn't stay horrible forever. Um, and it definitely drew attention to it on, on a global scale, but certainly within the city.
1: Well, and I think that's a bigger picture worldwide, too, is that people think about how bad the world is now. But, like, you look back at some of these areas, you think of, like, that this era in, in England. Do you think about, um, you know, almost the same time frame in New York City, just the terrible squalor that people are living in? Things are okay, right? You know, like, I know, right. I know life isn't perfect now, but, like, compared, like, human life was worthless back then. Like, no one cared. Right. Like no one cared. Yep. So, you know, I'm not trying to make a pitch that everything's perfect now,
3: but compared to this time. Yeah, frame, but to truly understand why your movie title and the... Because they really believed they were in hell. Sure. And to a certain extent, they were. Sure. I mean, it was about as bad as it could get.
1: One other point I wanted to make, too, is that this area is so poor, there's often the misnomer of uh, everyone likes to, well, the the, the Batman.
3: Oh, that's a good point. I already know where you're headed.
1: This place was so poor, they didn't even have gaslight. Yes. Like, there were no street lamps. So this part of, of London was so dark and so poor, like, that's another reason why these crimes were so easily committed, because it, it was an area so poor and no one cared about that there weren't even gaslight lamps.
3: And it helps illustrate how creepy it is. I mean, because there certainly was nothing lighting the streets, but also you didn't have people living in these places where they had lights by windows anywhere near the, the, the ground level. And so you would frequently hear, if you go back and look at kind of firsthand accounts from people and descriptions, I mean, there was plenty of streets and alleys where you could put your hand up in front of your face and not see it. And so when people can't believe that a woman was, had this done to her out on the street if it were to in fact that's the way that happened on the street mm-hmm. it's not that you know hard to believe when you can't see i mean it's right. a pitch black dark down there um but with the crimes there was a span um over a few years that totaled up 11 murders in the Whitechapel area um and then we have what they refer to as the canon five mm-hmm. um which is Which are the ones I'm going to go over because we're not going to go over all 11. There's one um, that is frequently included. It was included in the movie From Hell, Martha Tabram. Um, She would be the first one technically if you counted that. Uh, She was stabbed, I think, 39 times. Mm. And so with that, there is a fury um, included in the attack But it still doesn't really fit what you see with the rest of the victims. So that's still kind of iffy. There was a woman before her named Emma Smith um, who was raped and beaten, but it was by three men. Uh, So that's the first one. There's some people that include that. I'm not really sure why because the MO isn't even slightly close to what we're dealing with. But we'll cover the Canon 5. There was also uh, a a couple of torso murders. Uh, within a couple of years afterwards, um, but again, it's not believed that those are linked. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the attack with Jack the Ripper is basically cutting the throat from left to right. Now, to varying degrees with each one, some of them were more horrific than others, um, but we'll just run through the five real quick. Um, our five victims are Marion Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly at the end. Um, this began on Friday, the 31st of August in 1888 with Marianne Nichols. Um, her body was discovered in Buck's row. Her throat had been severed with two cuts and the lower part of the abdomen was partly ripped open by a deep jagged wound. Uh, several other incisions on the abdomen were caused by the same knife. Now this even caught everyone's attention from the get go. It wasn't that bad to where women could be ripped apart like, cattle in the street and nobody noticed that kind of instantly caught the attention, especially after having the few that I mentioned earlier in the year. So people were starting to kind of say, Hey, we, this is getting bad. Like this isn't just, uh, you know, a hooker being strangled. People were being ripped apart in the streets. Mm -hmm. Um, the second victim was Annie Chapman. She was killed on Saturday, the 8th of September. Uh, She was near a doorway in the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street. As in the case of Mary Nichols, the throat was severed by two cuts. The abdomen was slashed entirely open, and it was later discovered that the uterus had been removed. At the inquest, one witness described seeing Chapman at about 5.30 a.m. with a dark-haired man of shabby, genteel appearance.
1: (laughs) So, you got that. How is one simultaneously shabby and genteel? It was dark. You say he was like a sloppy southern gentleman? <laughs> He's like, I do declare. Uh-huh.
3: Is there anything we want to add early on to these? I'm not trying to rush through it too quick. I think that for the, for
2: the time period of what you're used to history-wise, what we've all been taught in, in school and stuff, that make this seem so savage. I mean, when you look back into older times, there obviously were methods of death that were way worse than this. But this is still for a civilized society; it's rather jarring, and you don't typically think of this time period as being when these types of savage murders are happening. Yeah.
4: So it's that's so the one escalated. thing I take from it. Yeah. Well, considering, I mean, well beyond a hundred years, this is Jack the Ripper still. I think it'll always remain a, a big deal. And I'm I'm not sure if it's completely because it's, you know, obviously I think a lot of it has to do because it's unsolved, but also, um, you know, the fact that, again, I'm sure there was serial killers before Jack the Ripper, but like the the crimes that were being committed and, and the way they were committed. Um, and and it was just, an international story. Yeah. There's just, you know, mm. there's not really an, an answer to, to give to this. He could still be alive today.
3: That's what used to fascinate me when I was little. I would think so. My dad was born in 1953, and I would do the math and think, "Whoa, Jack the Ripper could have been in in Richmond, Indiana, when my grandma was in high school." Obviously, real no reason to believe that that would even be any uh, possibility, but it was just the idea that. It seemed so antiquated, and then when you did the math, it's not that far away. Yeah. Um, and, I, and one thing in, important to point out, which I didn't, is that this was the first in terms of the media sensation. Sure. This is what coined, uh, you know, what we ultimately know today as, you know, the the serial killer fascination. It it came from this. This is where the media, it's if the nothing else, century. yeah, if, where the media said, "Hold up." We can sell papers. It's widely believed that some of these letters they wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, but they latched onto it, helped facilitate the the name, you know, that stuck. And and I think that applies to what we've already covered in David Berkowitz, the Zodiac Killer. You know what I mean? Like these, these cases became notorious because of the fascination with the correspondence, the arrogance, the mm-hmm. taunting. And this certainly had that.
2: Do you think Jack the Ripper was a better name than Brown Apron? Uh,
3: leather, apron? leather Apron? Leather Apron, I mean. <laughs> Buddy Boyd, no way. Leather Apron is pretty gnarly. Leather Apron, I mean. <laughs> it's pretty scary. Gets me hot. <laughs> um, so we'll move into what we call the double event. Um, two and one night. They were both killed in the early morning of Sunday, September 30th. Uh, Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes. Uh, Stride's body was discovered at about 1 a.m. in Dutfield Yard off of Burner Street in Whitechapel. The cause of death was one clear-cut incision which severed the main artery on the left side of the neck. Uh, the absence of mutilations to the abdomen had led to uncertainty about whether the murder was actually committed by the Ripper. Uh, there was a letter received, I think, the following day or somewhere near after where he pointed out being interrupted. So, mm-hmm. that could, again, that could be somebody at the paper who, with this already knowing of the speculation, yeah, kind of facilitating that. Nonetheless, um, fake news. Witnesses thought that they saw stride with a man earlier that night, but gave differing descriptions. Some said that her companion was fair, others dark, some said that he was shabbily dressed, others well dressed. So, as per usual, our wit- eyewitnesses in uh, the east end of London were very helpful.
1: Um,
3: <laughs> our second victim,
1: boy, oh, by God, he looked like. <laughs> A very shabby man.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Our second victim, uh, Catherine Eddowes, her body was found in Mitre Square uh, three quarters of an hour after strides. The throat was severed and the abdomen was ripped open by a long, deep, jagged wound. The left kidney and major part of the uterus had been removed. A local man, Joseph, uh, had passed through the square with two friends shortly before the murder and he described seeing a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman who may have been Eddowes. Um... One of the most fascinating aspects of what fuels conspiracy theories happened on this night.
1: Mm, the paint
3: with well, and that too. Oh. The, this is actually different. Um, around the time that Elizabeth Stride was being murdered, and then that being interrupted, Catherine Eddowes was checking out of being held in the drunk tank. Mm. She had checked in under the name. Mary Mary Kelly. Kelly. She did not know Mary Kelly. It was just random, supposedly. And so many believe that the reason the uptick happened on her was because there was somebody there at the station that said Kelly just left. Like if it was a working uh, with people working together on it, that they had kind of alerted, hey, we got her right here because she was killed immediately after she left jail. Um, And it is pretty bizarre. I don't really buy into any particular theory, but it is pretty weird because the likelihood of these women knowing each other is pretty slim. Um, they would have recognized each other, but there's there's nothing to indicate that they were friends or fully aware of each other. Yeah. And so for her to use the name of what would be our fifth victim is pretty bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, as described, the first murder was very minimal um, with just the the throat being cut in as comparison. As if they were
1: interrupted.
3: Right and prevailing theory especially in comparison to what has already happened and what is found later that night which is women absolutely ripped open whereas this one it's still horrific but it wasn't to the levels of what we're used to um we also that same night have graffiti that we discover which also fuels into all kinds of uh conspiracy theories which was uh not written the best but it was. uh, the Jews are not the men who will be blamed for nothing. And this was immediately cleaned off uh, for fear of rioting or um, attacking Jews, which were already not in the best standing in the yeah. area. Um, which is weird. Right. You don't
2: typically hear about that in history. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Never marginalized. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so,
1: quite a night. <sighs> the Jews are the men who will not be blamed for nothing, right? And so in some of the stuff I've read and seen, it's like it was like, you know, a lot of Cockney slang has to deal with double negatives. Mm -hmm. So it's like the Jews are the men who will not be blamed for nothing. They, They will be blamed for nothing or they will not be blamed for doing anything. So it was like that created some stir, you know? And then also the way it was spelled J-U-W-E-S dealt with um, biblical stories and Masonic lore, like the Freemasons. So it was like, was there something to do with the Freemasons, which would later become a major part of From Hell that we'll talk about? I, was,
4: I just went to National Treasure. I got real excited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then they stole the Declaration of Independence. Yes.
4: Maybe uh, Nick Cage needs to solve this crime.
3: Maybe I think if one Cage person is... Suspect, sign me up. <laughs> um, our, uh, her our our final victim, Mary Jean Kelly, um, she was discovered in her single room where she had been staying uh, at ten forty five a.m. on Friday, the 9th of November, uh, 13 Miller's Court. Um, I won't list off everything that was performed in that room because it's extensive and pretty horrific. Um, She had been mutilated, disemboweled, um, lying on her bed, kind of spread apart. Um, It's it's bad. This one
2: reminds me of when Bundy escaped and went to the sorority house. Oh, yeah. Like, this murder just looks like somebody completely unhinged. Not that they weren't, that Jack the Ripper wasn't fucked up to begin with. But this murder looks like a wild...
3: Aunt, or, yeah, yeah, wild animal. There's never been anything like this since, at least it's been shared with the public. Um, it was absolutely a maniac in there.
1: And like, and I don't want to be too graphic for our audience, but the one that always baffled me—didn't he like cut off one of her breasts and like put it? Under Both of her them.
3: Head? Okay. One of one of them is under her head. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? And man? the the worst I, for me is the thigh. The thighs are on the table.
2: And in the photos, you can clearly see bone
3: bone. Yeah. Yeah. The, the legs have been shaven down and there's huge, uh, chunks, pounds of thigh that are on the table. Mm -hmm. That's frequently thought of as being the breasts. It's not, it's her legs, uh, laying over there and you can clearly see, uh, the leg bone, uh, clearly on one
2: in a a photo that's over a hundred years old. Her,
3: her face is gone yeah um it's like it. it's been ripped apart it's her heart was missing um it's it's I don't like it. unlike anything that we've ever really dealt with again because it's a good point. Bundy turned into an animal, yeah. but he moved on, he bit he killed you know and, uh-huh. and he kept going on his savagery whereas this was back in a private room and seemingly for hours this crazy son of a bitch, just ripped this girl apart. Um, but the pictures are there, if you're interested. They're very easy to view. And to be perfectly honest, it's so bad, it's almost not bad. Like, it's, it's barely it
1: is like it's a, barely a said, human yeah. being, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very it's tr- like true. Cover of a Cannibal Corpse album or something.
3: So, um, those are your Canon 5. Um, that was the last time that we saw jack the ripper's handiwork now there's obviously people with other schools of thought on that that maybe he killed more but this is widely regarded as as the the canon five that are attributed to him uh seemingly getting a little worse each time with the exception of the one interrupted um and he walked out of 13 miller's court and into history i mean he either was institutionalized died or you know, move to yeah. Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> am I right, boys? Am I right or am I right?
4: Do we maybe want to roll into like maybe some prime suspects or sure?
3: Yeah, yeah. You guys have any uh, suspects you're interested in, or you want to talk about in particular?
1: Um, I have three. Okay. Um, I think it's fascinating. I just want to speak briefly about Patricia Cornwell and her fascination. With Walter Sickert, the oh, artist,
3: the painter, yeah, yeah. Um, Which, by the way, her book was disproven quickly. Yeah, she was um, like, "I spent seven million dollars solving it." They're like, "Hey, he was actually out of the country during this these murders."
4: Yeah. Murder? She didn't write. <laughs>
1: I read. That's one of the most boring true crime books I've ever read. It wasn't very good. No, and what's funny is like she's someone who's made a living off of writing mm-hmm. pretty decent books. I read that book, and I was bored to tears. Um, because, And I think it's just because she's really trying to fit so many square pegs in circle holes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, it's like, ah, uh, it's a leap. But I think it's just fascinating, her fascination with the subject. Like, I watched a little documentary about it, and she's just, like, looking at old photographs of Sickert going, just look at him. He's a sick bastard. You can tell by looking (laughs) at him. And I'm like, easy, lady. (laughs) Abe Lincoln ain't too impressive as far as (laughs) photographs go if we want to talk like that, right? Um, So I think that one's interesting. Uh, I think the theory of which From Hell is based about it being some connection to the royal family and that, what's his name, Prince? Uh, Prince Albert.
3: Prince Albert. He went by Eddie.
1: Prince Rogers Nelson. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so Prince Eddie, and the fact that maybe he had a child with this prostitute, and he was going to marry her. Eddie Crook. Yep, and the fact that it would never go, because she was, this would have been the time of Mary. So, no, she was Catholic. But, she, she was Catholic, Yeah, yes. she was Catholic, but he was Church of England, and it would have been a huge scandal for him to marry yes. a Catholic, let alone a street girl, so... Anything, whether he was the killer or whether someone was doing killing on his behalf or the royal family's behalf, I think that's not too far-fetched. I think that's a decent theory. Uh, and then not my other... Too shabby. My... I don't know the guy's name. You'll know. But the one who like lived with Mary Kelly and was kind of her live
3: boyfriend. That would be my favorite theory. Yeah. So, and in recent years, that's become more and more... It, the one. It, I've, it keeps piecing together more Was that
4: the one that was institutionalized?
1: <clears throat> I... Don't think so.
4: I feel like one of the suspects they had was institutionalized, yeah, which yeah. which which would explain if it was him. Why it but stopped? stopped yeah. But
2: Thomas Sadler is always a name that's tossed out there as a suspect. I don't know much about the why, but that's a name I repeatedly hmm. heard.
3: Yeah, Joseph Barnett is the is the boyfriend.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> this poor bastard. Had some mental condition to where he repeated everything that yeah. he heard. And so she's like, oh, it's been a hard day out on the streets today. I'm like, oh, it's been a hard day out on the streets today. <laughs>
3: like, yeah. That'd be hard. <laughs> hard you know, to live with. He, uh, he did not want her on the streets. No. Very, very, very sensitive about it. Uh, rightfully so. Yeah. Man's sure. man's trying to pull his weight and provide for it. It's not working out well. Yeah.
1: Um, he... Kind of he was her boyfriend she was not his girlfriend you know what i'm saying yeah, right like the scenario like so he, he's just, like oh that's my old lady and she's like that's just the dude that pays for the place we live in is
4: okay. this the one the theory that that maybe the murder started to to scare her off the streets yeah
3: yep <laughs> there's that um so that was that
4: a spoiler alert I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> well that's what i was building up to <laughs> We're always stealing Professor's Thunder, and I love it. <laughs> Me that. and those
4: timelines, I'm sorry. I'll
3: let you guys take the lead on those. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, please finish. Uh, well, let's do another one. Uh, Montague, Montague drew it. Well, there's nothing else to say. It's not very interesting after that. Uh, Montague, hey, flesh it out, flesh it out. You um, I like
2: to watch Halloween.
3: On the first of October. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the boyfriend was trying to provide for it wasn't going well she was turning to the streets and hooking, um, and it it incensed him he was already off kilter sir and we will call some, them sex workers some issues with that um he fits the descriptions that are frequently thrown out there um and there, there's some other weird uncanny stuff I had a note here ginger beer bottles were found in 13 Miller's Court by police. Uh, at, at the scene of the crime, in the Dear Boss letter, the author says that he saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to oh, write yeah? with. Um, ginger beer is delicious, by the way. Word. Uh, <laughs> also, if she was the culmination of it, that would explain why they stopped after that. Yeah. Um, and leading up to that being trying, as Todd mentioned, deter, to, to deter her from it. Burp, 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 to deter her from continuing to work on the streets by taking people and uh, each time making it a little bit more horrific and terrifying. Yeah. And then uh, leading up in between the double event and her death, them having horrible arguments and splitting up, he would have access to her apartment, which is why the door was locked, the key, etc., because he had been living there with her previously. Um, so there's all those things that kind of fit up. And usually at the core of, of, of events like this, there's really not some wild explanation. I, it's totally believable that the, the fifth and worst victim dated a guy who was small and crazy. yeah, And tried to control her and ultimately ended up you know, saying, well, this ain't gonna work. I'll go ahead and kill you two. And be done with it. Yeah. So, you know,
4: Whores don't get a second chance.
2: I'm gonna cut your titties off yeah. and put them under your head. Like, yeah. He
1: was a fish dock worker right like the fisherman yes yeah um that's another joke is like she was with him because he'd bring her free fish that's legit yeah it's not a joke
3: um it's also i think popular with the idea of that the dock workers that this could have just been somebody that's never been on our radar that was there for a couple months and was gone yeah
1: or a guy who would be out to sea and back, or from another right. city, and would like it land was, there because this and, was a
3: port area, yeah. and there was just constantly people in and out of there. Um,
1: and along those lines, too, there's also the theory that if it was someone from the aristocracy, because as they were like making, they were. This was hitting. I mean, these stories were hitting like the stage, you know. And so, like, and the aristocracy was almost like cheer, cheering for Jack the Ripper because he would be portrayed as like a dapper guy, and like, ah, look one of ours is going down and killing some of them. Isn't that a, (laughs) isn't that a laugh? (laughs) Governor, my my (laughs) cocaine. Uh,
3: one that for a long time was popular was Frederick deeming. He was thought of as a killer for many years, um, Mm -hmm. after his execution, just because he was insane and he had murdered his entire family, uh, by slashing their necks the same way and having them under the floorboards. Um, but somebody, I guess, decided to do a little poking around and realized he was in South Africa the entire time all of this stuff happened. South But, Africa. but back then, he, when they executed him, they're like, there you go. Got our ripper. Case closed. Just because he uh, killed his family in a little bit of the same way. How so.
1: many people were executed in the next Every two time, decades? Every yeah. And they went... Got yeah. the ripper, boys.
3: Yeah. yeah. Send your thank yous to Scotland Yard. <laughs> um, and
1: checks payable.
3: The Royal Trio theory is by far the most sensational and fun to put into film. Um, I personally think it's pretty ridiculous um, because of the, the power the royalty holds there. Yeah. I can't imagine that their solution to covering up a scandal is... Would be to eviscerate a women scandal. in the out in the streets. They could go snuff these women out quietly. Yeah. If there was a group that knew about something, um, the, the royal family could just snap their finger and they would be gone. Sure, I, I don't think that in an effort to bury the truth on something, we have Mary Kelly and those results. And and at the core of it, that's always been kind of my argument for that is like that the the end results really don't fit the motive if that were the case um some of the stuff does match up annie was real she did have a a child now whether that was with the prince who knows he was down um at a, a house that had a lot of bisexual activity um he spent a lot of time down there on cleveland street she was nearby so it's not out of the realm that he had a relationship with her even that she had a kid with him because she did have a child. You can look it up. The yeah. records are there. Past that, I think a lot of it is just fun fiction. Sure. Um, Gull, the royal surgeon, had had a stroke a year before. And while some like to use that to fit the narrative that it would have made him nuts, I think it kind of just would have made him not yeah. capable of doing any of this. Hanging out <laughs> on the streets of Whitechapel. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a, it's a little bit of a... A stretch on those. Uh, one more popular one for me is uh, Montague Druitt. Um, he was found in the Thames River after the last murder. He suffered uh, from incredible uh, issues with mental illness, as had his family. Um, he had recently been dismissed from his job as a teacher. Um, he had lost his father a few years uh, before that, and his mother had committed um, suicide I think in July. Um, and I can't remember who all else, but a ton of other people in his family had killed themselves. Um, it just kind of all fits together that, you know, with the timing of when he killed himself and being fired from the job. And he's, he's got some of those elements that make him a sexy pick, Mm -hmm. um, for it. And it doesn't help, um, that one of the inspectors, had him as a suspect mm. all over his notes. Mm. and So when you go back and look at these documents, it's like, well, he thought it was him. So it must be him. Must be. And so that's made him a, uh, another popular <clears throat> suspect. But those are the, the ones I jotted down. Um, I think the website has probably 30 to 40, if not oh, more wow. deep explanations on why they think these people are those. But those are the ones I, I always thought were the most interesting.
4: I think something that I uh, (gasps) was the thing you had me watch today, the uh, YouTube uh, murder.
1: Oh, uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved.
4: So one that they had mentioned that just just was interesting, but was that it was one of them was a women, a women, a woman, Jill, the Ripper. I can't speak English. (laughs) So, yeah, Jill, the Ripper, um, which the only one was a women governor. governor. Uh, The thing that would make sense was it would make um, how she would blend in easy. Like when they're like, how you could go from one murder to the next, but I mean, you know, were women capable of doing that kind of stuff back then? For sure. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: one last thing I'll say about the the stuff here too is that you know, there's a the reason there's all these theories. There's a reason that you know that it hasn't been solved. There's a reason it's it's difficult. Is because the information's hard to verify. I mean, there's so oh, many contradictions. It's at I this mean, point. contradictions from police reports contradictions from police reports versus media well, and everybody then, lied back
3: then oh yeah they hated cops they oh viewed as the enemy cops. yeah so they wouldn't i mean everything were they, they like, told them you was think the police? <laughs> yeah. right did you know that this is
2: where sneakers were invented was during the jack the ripper case i, I watched this on a documentary uh because of the way the rubber because he made the rubber on the shoes oh, so they that they would were... be silent on the streets to where they could patrol more quietly oh. and this
4: is where they, I, I thought you were gonna say he uh, he made a Nike check mark for one of the victims.
1: And- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that was the thing too, is that some of the True stuff is in the news reports. Some of the false stuff is from police reports and vice versa. It's like so hard to verify. Yeah. Like, as you see things that are just clearly not true that are in like supposed to be reliable sources and vice versa.
3: And it's well, like I,
4: modern times.
3: So depending on how you are as a, a fan of true crime, this may either be fascinating or infuriating. Yeah. Um, and I understand either stance with that because you really can't validate anything. I mean, you just have what you have to go off of and, it's kind of I think for most people fun to try and track through records and speculate at best yeah um, there's been a couple of big moments in the 20th century where you know people thought oh, this might be picking up a little bit Stephen Knight came out uh, with the book the Final solution uh, in the 70s it's a poor name yeah poor name for a book yeah that's okay like, hey, buddy something else happened um, it's like Batman forever <laughs> but he was the one that really pushed the Royal Trio Theory, which is why, and we'll talk about movies here shortly, but that instantly spawned Murder by Decree, mm-hmm. um, where we, we implement that. But that's that came from Stephen Knight in his book. Um, one within the last 20 years was a private collector has the only surviving piece of evidence, oh, which is a shawl. shawl. Yeah, the shawl. Um, I think it was worn by, I can't remember which one, I, I want to say it was Annie Chapman. Um. But regardless, one of the the Canon 5 had that survive in evidence, and it has DNA on it, but it's been contaminated for too long. It's it's worthless.
1: Can you imagine all the dirty people of Whitechapel handling that
3: scarf and, mm. uh, oh, and passing it on? Well, and the line of work she was in.
4: Oh yeah. Was it a scarf or a cum rag?
3: Well, <laughs> he, we laugh, but I mean that, yeah, that yeah.
4: speculation was, has been put forth. There was
3: probably some jism and doo doo on that.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's legit. You know, like, scat, scat was big back then. <laughs> uh, another thing uh, that I saw today was uh, the mention of a diary. That like, oh, yeah. That like one of the prime suspects that they had found a diary. That was a big deal. That's wasn't it, it?
3: Yeah, and then it was proved to be false. Yeah. Because of the way it was written, there were a couple of things that they were able to trace and say, you wouldn't have known that until about 1925. Mm-hmm. Why is that in your diary? Interesting. Um,
4: Maybe he's like, Tupac.
3: Yeah. When it, when it <laughs> came out, though, it was a big deal. Sure. Everybody was convinced yeah. we got him. But with that, that shawl... The television show tested it, and it was like a big event. They got the private collector to say, yep, let's do it. And so, you know, there for a minute, everybody was like, this is it. This might actually be the only way to get a, like, DNA idea. And this wasn't that shawl that had, like, Jesus' face on it, was it?
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> was Was this where they, they had thought they had it narrowed down because it was a rare... Thing, but then they realized that it was it was incorrect that it was like actually very con- like it was like ninety nine percent. Oh, that was the DNA
1: test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, did they find this shawl in like these vaults in Chicago? And did Gerardo Her- find <laughs> it?
4: Did- was that in the?
2: <laughs> this uh- is what the Shawshank Redemption was based on.
1: <laughs> was that in the? And uh, uh- all right, we got. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to some movies. <laughs> was it too soon?
3: <laughs> Somebody slit my throat
1: um so from hell let's talk about that first and then we'll uh we'll touch on some other ones so from hell who's got some dates and details was it 2001 2001
4: 2001. i would say uh johnny depp i would i would say this is probably the best film of jack the ripper my opinion uh professors go
1: throw hands but uh, (laughs) not at all
4: (laughs) Uh, John uh, Depp, Heather Graham, directed by was it the Hughes brothers that did Menace to Society? It was,
1: yeah. Um, I think this is a great film. I enjoy it. Uh, some of the only notes I had here was the gaslight error. You kind of see them going through lighting gaslights at the time, and I'm like, hold up, playa, they weren't gaslights in most of this area.
4: I think <laughs> this is almost every, almost a Jack Nicholson. I'm uh, sorry, every uh, Jack the Ripper movie, I, I feel like they're like. They they have the gaslight. So oh probably yeah, something that, I mean it's it's yeah. Too it's too
3: wonderful. There's a lot of movies, uh. I, yeah, obviously, yeah.
4: There's a lot of inaccuracies on uh.
3: On, What's the and, the name of the guy who did the graphic novel of this? This is the movie. Uh, yes, that did like Watchmen and all the so many great.
4: Was it graphic novel?
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what From Hell's based on. No, no, no. And so, <laughs> uh, it's important to remember that with some of the inaccuracies that comes from that. Sure, it's. I think one of the the only... Oh,
1: we've got an apologist on our
3: hands. (laughs) (laughs) One of the big differences from the graphic novel and the movie is the ability for Johnny Depp to see things kind of clairvoyantly. Yeah, That wasn't the case in the comic or the graphic novel. Which
2: seems odd that that wouldn't have been there and instead in a movie creation.
3: Which is weird, too, because the Hughes brothers were the first and only time somebody made a Jack the Ripper movie and went into all of the crazy little details when you're seeing the murder scenes and where they're found those are exactly replicated like they rebuilt everything back on a sound stage down to the smallest degree they have a walking tour on the dvd i heard they they had helicopters
1: fly trees in to make it look just like the crime scene
3: that's zodiac you (laughs) silly bear (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but no, they, they really did rebuild all these places. Cause obviously they don't exist today. Most of that has been torn down right. and, and rebuilt. And of course it's very modern now. Yeah. And clean Yes, or cleaner. Um, but that's, what's so weird about that is that they would go to all that trouble of, of duplicating those things, mm-hmm. but then take the graphic novel and say, ah, we'll just make him be able to see in the future. Yeah. You know, it's just, a, right. I guess maybe it was just for narrative reasons. They I mean, wanted to speed to it up, so yeah, it, it's, you know, it works. But it's it's definitely one of the, the best, if not the best. I think best. it's a
2: good movie. The only issue that I take with it is because of the type of story that it is, I think it cuts down on the rewatchability for me, because once you know the end, mm. to me it's not as fun to go back and rewatch, once you already know how.
3: So you're insinuating you don't like watching women get cut up.
2: No, I didn't
3: say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so you do. I think
2: because uh, uh, you know who uh, Jack the Ripper is revealed to be, because you know how it ends with this movie the fir- after the first time you see it. To me, it cuts down the enjoyability of rewatching that, that, it. That could be true because
4: I watched this in theaters, and I might have watched it once or twice after. that. This is that. the second time I've seen it. I was gonna say I, I might That's have seen this I've movie seen it, just but... a couple times, and it's a good movie. No, it is. It's it's a fantastic
1: movie. I love that Hagrid is helping him. Yeah, the crime. Yep. Before he moves to Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I love that. I love that. Bilbo
2: Baggins has Grandpa Munster's hair in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I really like the the way that first kill is shot. That kind of comic book stylized.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about because they include Martha Tabrams in that one. Yeah, their new hat. Yeah, Yep. There funny. are some great kills in there.
2: I like the. Uh, Elephant Man makeup. It was unbelievable. Oh, man. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Unbelievable. That was a neat addition to the story. I like the attention paid to Leather Apron in Mm -hmm. this, you know, and, you know, all the guys walking around in Leather Aprons because they work in the butcher business or the fish business and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, very seldom um, throughout films dealing with Jack the Ripper has someone tried to make something that tackled fact. Yeah. And so while this still has a lot of fiction to it, it tackles more of the fact and tries to really recreate the time and the moment more than most have Um, real quick. My favorite three uh, Jack the Ripper films are this uh, murder by decree from 1979 directed by Bob Clark and um, Jack the Ripper, the TV movie uh, from the hundredth year anniversary that Michael Caine was in. And between those three, they all tried to really, recreate the mood and and how it looked in those times now obviously they're all a little bit more well-lit for movie's sake uh, but with with the exception of that it it really takes you back into that impoverished darkened cesspool in those three films um, I think that they're all they're all incredibly entertaining and for me um, while I respect uh Vinny's stance on the rewatchability the innings don't matter to me just because the case was never solved and so for me to go back to uh dingy Victorian era East End of London when it's you know fall time those movies just they they're just so damn good to revisit um have have you guys seen any of those three besides from hell Uh
4: so ever. I asked I asked you what were your top films, and I actually didn't get to rewatch From Hell for this, but I've seen it. The other two I've never seen. I actually tried to track them down before the show, but I didn't have much luck. Um, okay. I actually um, Murder by Decree. I, I got to watch the other Sherlock Holmes, because um, Murder by Decree is Sherlock Holmes, right? Yep. Study. Um, and terror. I watched um, a Study in Terror.
3: That's what I watched as well.
4: And then I could not find. I couldn't even find a trace of the '88 film.
3: Yeah, that one, Warner Archives had it, and I okay. think it's out of print now.
4: And that's Michael Caine? Michael Caine. <laughs>
3: um, real quick, just some highlights. Uh, in 1927, The Lodger, A Story of the London Fog, was made by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, it's based on a novel, um, and while it's not directly Jack the Ripper, clearly the killer, known as the Avenger, is killing London women. Uh, it's inspired by The Ripper. Um, two years later in Pandora's box, Louise Brooks, who was a big time star at the time uh, is playing a character, Lula or Lulu, um, and her eroticism is driving men wild and it's bringing out the worst in them, which, uh, ultimately lands her, uh, with the Ripper at the end. Uh, I think he's known as springtime Jack or spring Jack, uh, and <laughs> not spring heel Jack. Maybe. I mean, cause that's a famous, yeah. uh, London. Folklore guy. Samuel yeah. Neil Jack. Uh, but this is, I mean, and the crazy thing to think about it with that is we're only talking 40 years since it actually happened oh, with wow. those silent films. Um, 1944, The Lodger um, with Laird Crager uh, and the beautiful Merle Oberon as uh, a moody film um, based on a novel. And it's definitely worth checking out. That just came out on Blu-ray this year from Kino, um, Was reissued. And then uh, you guys mentioned A Study and Tear uh, from, that was 1965, um, which, as you guys mentioned, is Sherlock meeting Holmes. And it's actually really pretty entertaining.
4: This is the first time I had, uh, so I who did, who did this one? Who did the Blu-ray?
3: Mill Creek put okay. the Blu-ray
4: out. I might have picked it up from Kino or like one of those. Um, so it's the first time I've, I've got it off the shelf and watched it. I've never seen it before. I thought it was fun. I mean, it. There was there was characters that reminded me of like Mike Myers, yeah. and um, I don't think it meant to be as. It's not really a dark film, but um, and and the the, the killings are there, but they're definitely not. It accurate. was like the Disney version of the Ripper. Killings. Yeah, like, certainly.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is still in the code era. They weren't going to be able to watched, show too much. All right,
4: sorry. Well, well, uh, real quick though. Um, so mind blown for one that I never realized that Sherlock Holmes is based on a real person. But I um, actually saw that... Um, I forget his name already. Uh, I have that with Study of Terror, maybe. Um, so the, the... Dr. Joseph Bell, I think, was the real-life inspiration for Sherlock Holmes, um, who actually was consulted by Scotland Yard with Jack the Ripper. Because so, it's kind of weird that there is more than one film of Sherlock Holmes meets Jack the Ripper. There's actually, like, several Actually, um,
1: Sherlock Holmes was based on a man named Benadryl Cabbage Patch. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here.
0: <laughs>
2: this was the first Sherlock Holmes story else? of any kind that I've ever watched or read. You know, read. I've never read it. Sherlock any, at all? No Sherlock, My mom's a period. Sherlock nerd, so. Um, I will say, after watching it, I'm kind of like, oh. Okay, I kind of get why this character has been so popular for so long, and it's kind of got me to where I'm going to look into more Sherlock Holmes. Stuff. Uh, young you, Sherlock
4: Holmes, never seen that. Mm. You uh, have to Sherlock.
1: watch the newest BBC Sherlock series.
4: Oh, that's what I hear. Yeah, that's what it's I hear. It's amazing. Um, let's
1: see.
2: Like I said, it looks like the Disney version of the Ripper story. When you're watching this, uh, the victims look way better off financially. Streets are obviously much cleaner. Like it's it's yeah. a mu- it's a polished up. For a wider audience, it felt like it, it felt like
4: a Benny Hill production of but like Sherlock Jack Holmes Ripper. had only
2: been created a year before the Ripper murders. Mm. Um, I love the part in the movie where Sherlock's in disguise
0: as the <laughs> yeah. guy. Like
2: I was thrilled by that. I was like, oh okay. It was just I don't know. It was so simple and it worked so well. Mm-hmm. Um, this takes
3: back to Rathbone. Even no matter who the Sherlock is, they always have the great disguises.
2: And I like the scene where uh the one kill scene in like the water trough. Where oh, yeah, yeah. It's from under the water and there's the blood in the mm-hmm. water. Like, that's a great effect that's a cool But even scene. still but that I, was I really pretty enjoyed graphic the movie. I like I like that the
4: villain was Carfax.
2: And <laughs> I found I found this movie on YouTube in its entirety, HD for free. So oh, like cool. if somebody's into wanting to see it Hook it up. I feel like yeah. I
4: picked this up on a sell for like 10 bucks Blu ray. Yeah, they're Blu rays. Um, and you know what? It's again a good. A good um, I think I've looked it over a few times. And then when I realized it's Sherlock Holmes and Jack the Ripper, I was like, I'm going to buy it. This oh, yeah, interesting. It's a good
3: time. And I think it, it was ultimately made for younger people at the time. I mean, yeah, It's just that. a fun movie. Yeah. Um, six years before that, uh, the first time, at least I believe, uh, a film actually used the name Jack the Ripper in the title and within the movie. Um, the interesting thing with that is recently Severin released that.
4: That's So that's the Do one I have. have. Have you watched? I, I was going to ask. So I watched uh, the U.S. version. I feel like I might have watched the wrong version because I, I think it's longer, but the U.K. version just tites and it's a little bit more violence.
3: That, that, that Severin <laughs> put out a release that has three <laughs> cuts of the film, a British, a French, and an American cut. Uh, the French... You can just watch the scenes for that separate without watching oh, okay. an actual film film of it. Um but there is some pretty gruesome blood and murder and tons of breasts, which is a little startling to see in nineteen fifty nine in a film. Um but again it's it's more fiction than anything. Um, I, I I love that everything's
4: a, everything's gaslight, but the elevator, they push the button and it goes down. I'm like, What?
3: Yeah. <laughs> um which the big draw for that was the, the color that's placed. Um, I can't remember if that was the UK cut, but when the
4: I think when he died, when the when he dies under the, the elevator crushes Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And the blood is
3: red. Okay, so that, that's yeah, that's the America. It was one, a then. bad
4: cut into it, but yeah, they, they that yeah, was in the That, that was a
3: big deal at the time, kinda of the vein of the tingler. It's like, check it out, the movie was black and white, but the blood is red. Um So after that, we mentioned A study in Tear. There's not another film for it looks like 14 years until Murder by Decree where we come back from Sherlock right back into Sherlock. I think Bob Clark did that because of the book that we mentioned, uh, Final Solution by Stephen Knight with The Royal Theory. He now takes Sherlock and pits him against that. Um, This is the moodiest film on on Jack the Ripper, even more than From Hell. Um, Bob Clark, who did Black Christmas, A Christmas Story. Never really Porky's. gets the credit. Porky's. Uh, and this is another example of it. This film never really gets talked about. It's excellent from top to bottom. It has a ton of great performances. It even has some nods to A Study in Terror. And the way you can tell is because he has two people from that play the same role as 14 years later. So hmm. we've got Inspector Lestratti's just I'm older.
4: kind of excited to check that one out, actually. It's so. really
3: good. It does, And somebody needs to get that out on Blue. It hasn't been re-released. Um, but it's an excellent film. That same year, I think the popularity kind of encouraged it, but Time After Time came out, which is kind of a fun romp with time travel. That
4: That's something that I've always wanted to check out, too. And they, they remade it with the TV show. But the yeah the TV show, I think, I, I, th- I don't that. think it had viewers, so it ended...
3: But. With that, it's uh, Malcolm McDowell plays H.G. Wells. He has his time machine. He's living in London at the time. Jack the Ripper gets caught at his house. And while he's there and the police are showing up, he goes and hops in the time machine, heads to San Francisco in current day, 1979 for viewers. And then we have H.G. Wells trying to adapt to 1979 San Francisco while chasing Jack the Ripper, who was played by David Warner. Also has a young, beautiful Mary Steam Virgin in it. Um it's a really fun film.
4: Does he get caught up in a, like a gay pride parade or anything? You'll have to watch.
3: Um the TV movie. Go, go ahead, sorry. Because
1: I, speaking of that, we forgot to bring up all the most ridiculous theories. I was gonna bring it up because we had teased it. Uh there's a theory that has
4: There's a theory. No
1: sand is that Jack the Ripper left, moved to Chicago, and was H. H. Holmes. Oh yeah. That's a big like
2: they were they did it I forget what. Cable channel had a big special about that, that they were hyping up in the last year or so. Yeah. New evidence linking HH Holmes to being Jack the
3: Ripper.
1: Was that yeah. a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Dream on dog. So anyway.
3: yeah. For, for listeners, just to clarify, there is no evidence uh, to link those at all. Yeah. Um, and they were just two <clears throat> crazy bastards. Yeah. Um, uh, tv movie 1988 already mentioned it for the 100th anniversary they took uh, michael kane down there michael kane and uh did a three hour um uh, tv movie that was aired in two parts it's really really good it'll it'll make you feel more in the area and in that world than any film will just if nothing else because you have it in longer form uh michael kane's great in it he plays uh aberline the same character that johnny depp plays for some reason they always portray him as a drunk and a drug addict mm-hmm. neither of which he was in real life he was just he worked as a you know an inspector detective um so for whatever reason i guess it's sexier for movies to make him hung over and do an opium
1: how long have you been chasing the dragon
3: <laughs> um but yeah, if you guys have an opportunity to see that, I'm not sure if that's in print right now, but that's one I've loved for a long time. It's really good. And then From Hell in 2001, to me, those are the highlights of Jack the Ripper appearing in film.
2: Hot Toddy and I watched a Warner Brothers release, which was uh, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, which is an animated film that has Batman investigating the Jack the Ripper back in that era. And I thought I thought it was really it was great. It was it was really good. They, of course, they use you know their cast of characters to fill various like different po- roles. Poison Ivy's
4: the first. Yeah, she's a dancer and leaves the the whorehouse or whatever they're doing. They certainly
2: take liberties, obviously, um, but again, that's what Jack the Ripper has become. It's become almost like a public domain story. It's like and Dracula. It's like Dracula Mowgli from from the you know. Anybody, it's just so ingrained and it's anybody can use it. Uh, And they do it and they weave this story around this time period with familiar
4: characters. It was, I liked it. Like for what it was, I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was great. And it was, it was actually rated R. I think
2: I would have, the story probably would have been better in graphic novel form.
4: It it actually was based on a graphic novel. Yeah. I've never, I've never read it. I figured
2: it, I figured the read would be better than the movie, which is the most in most cases, but that's on Netflix, isn't it? Um, I I, I watched it a blue right now, I think it's on Netflix. So if people want to watch it, I believe it's on Netflix.
4: And then I would, I would say of note again, the the first time I had he- heard of it was, uh, Friday the 13th, the series. So 1987, it's season one, episode seven called Dr. Jack. Um, it's modern times. He's usually on the scalpel, but it still was probably the first time that I had heard of him. And then Jack's back came out in 1988. Um, I watched it this morning, actually. I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through.
3: It's pretty entertaining. But I remember
4: from uh, trailers as a kid, I always just thought it was Jack the Ripper reincarnated. Um, but still a cool, uh, it's a copycat killer, 100 years to the day. Um, so yeah, those are like the ones that I could think of.
3: I completely forgot about one till just now. Uh, Terror at London Bridge, have either of you seen that? Mm-mm. Any of you? Mm-mm uh david hasselhoff is in it i think oh. adrian barbeau is in it but um uh, they moved and i can't remember what the true story is on it was but he they, jack the ripper they moved a bunch of the london bridge to arizona there's some real story here and i can't remember exactly how it went but that's what the tv movie is based around that jack the ripper's spirit is in that that he was killed on the Uh-oh. bridge at some point and it's unearthed when it's moved to Arizona. And yes. Jack the Ripper's ass gets out there and starts killing him. You're selling me. Terror at London Bridge. Does so. anybody else almost feel
2: synonymous, I do, with Jack the Ripper and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde?
3: Certainly. And they incorporate that. There was a with a stage play that was going on at the time. that, that um, I can't remember the performer's name. He's portrayed in the TV movie. But what they don't put in the TV movie that happened in real life was he shut down the show. Because he was afraid it was inspiring or encouraging uh, what was going on with somebody just being um, an animal mm-hmm. by you know by evening and but that was actually playing there, which I is see. a fascinating duality. That is kind because of I
2: point. it Im- immediately correlates to me those two things. I one makes me always think of mm-hmm. the other.
4: I thought a, a fun note of the 1959 uh, Jack the Ripper movie, which was Paramount, is that it's a a U.S. detective that comes over to Scotland Yard to solve the case. Yep, got that arrogance. Um, Like, yeah, um, you know, no one else can solve it. Let's send over an American. Oh,
1: yeah. Right on. Anything else?
4: I got nothing.
1: (laughs) I'm tapped. We've probably been blathering on for a while. Yep. Yeah, I think we've covered it pretty good.
4: Um, No fights over a timeline or anything? No, not at all. (laughs) There's still time. Um, hopefully we fist fight in the, uh, one of the next episodes that's or something. right
1: so I mean I think good coverage of the case um, just to talk about you know just the period and, and what what happened and uh, what the world kind of looked like a snapshot of London and kind of a snapshot of what civilized society looked like which was rather uncivilized you know overall yeah. i also so, like
2: to say I like that we take the time to make sure that we name the names of the victims because these were real breathing people yeah, (laughs) and they were victims. And And if we're going to talk about the name, Jack, the Ripper for the killer, we need to acknowledge and their name should be remembered just as much as the person who took their lives. Yeah.
3: And, and a lot of them had had lives prior to this. I should clarify that. I didn't really cover it in here because we're kind of limited for time, but uh, most of these women had families, um, had had other professions or Mm. different, kind of happy segments of life that had fallen apart before they uh, and spiraled a lot of it was from their drinking problems yep. Um, which is what ultimately led them out here into the streets and made them you know these things for sacrifice and which, it's terribly depressing
1: which is still a cultural awareness sort of thing i mean when you look at the homeless i mean these weren't people who just like ran out of money one day and lost their house i mean by and large these are people who suffer from mental illness or yeah. addiction issues and that's what drives them to
2: and that's why These a lot conditions. of people didn't give a shit in the beginning because most of the prostitutes were viewed – they were all viewed as nymphomaniacs. That's, that's why they did it because they were nymphomaniacs. It wasn't because they, they had no other option other than to sell their bodies. It was, it was because they were nymphomaniacs, yeah. and, which is sinful, and so they got what they deserved.
3: Well, yeah. I would encourage listeners to go kind of learn a little bit about the victims. They're interesting stories, whether it be about the murders, the suspects, but also them and how life was i think it was Catherine eddowes crocheted and made most of her living doing that she seldom was hooking hmm. i she just ended up in jail that night and then came out and met yeah her, i mean they
1: say some of them would like they'd only turn to it when they didn't have enough money to have someplace to sleep that night
3: right yeah and so it wasn't always a matter of them just being regular hookers yeah. just down on their luck um but some some really sad stories that led him there. Oh, yeah. I, I meant to kind of yeah. mention that for him, but glad we got it in at the end. Uh,
1: another interesting thing, um, Mary Kelly was Irish. Mm. And they say you could always hear her, like, singing after she'd be drinking, singing yes. some Irish tunes.
3: I can't think of the name right now. I That's can't song. either.
1: But they say if you go to the Ripper Museum in London and you're looking at, like, the, like, reproduction of her room where she was murdered yeah, they
3: recreated her room
1: there's uh, a woman singing the last song she was heard to be singing It's like
3: violets from my mother's grave or something yeah. like that i can't remember the name and of i it. just can't i just can't picture how spooky that would be yeah because that was heard from her room that night
1: yeah yeah so good times boy good what times. just what an uplifting tale <laughs> <laughs> but uh why hey I, y'all don't forget to buy your
2: midwest monsters
1: t-shirt I... <laughs>
4: why why hasn't uh why hasn't disney done this yet yeah
1: hop on uh hop on uh, uh, itunes
3: iTunes. and give us a
4: review
3: because
1: we're on the website it got deleted Uh, uh, yeah hop on itunes give us a rating (laughs) hopefully you're not too bummed out but uh hey the ratings help us out gets us some exposure lets us know what you're thinking leave a comment we really do value your comments and, uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, all the fun stuff. So, uh, thanks for sticking with us for another true crime episode. We know these, uh, get a little, uh, grizzly, but, uh, you know, they're interesting stories to cover and, uh, influence for a lot of films that we watch. So thanks for sticking with us. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, joined by
3: Professor Wagstaff,
1: Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy, stay scary, my friends. Oh, I got not-